Hello everyone, my name is Jen Torres and I am a God, and so are you. Like many of you, I was raised to believe that if I just prayed hard enough, God would save me. As it turns out, that was actually true. I saved me. At the age of 15, I became pregnant with a beautiful baby girl who dropped in just in time to save my miserable life. This was my first awakening. This podcast is about all of the words and listening to those words to begin to envision what is possible. Because sometimes, as individuals, we feel we need to know everything, have it all together, and be everything all of the time. But that's why we live in a world filled with other people. Each person holds a piece of the puzzle. It's about being open to new information, new ideas, and new perspectives. We're going to talk about all of the topics surrounding what it takes for you to step into your God Goddess. Journey with me as we uncover all things living self-actualized and in your inherent divine God state. This podcast is about doing whatever it takes to develop and nourish the God in you. Okay, you guys, so I am beyond excited to introduce my next guest, Dr. Marguerite Rigoglioso, who is the foremost authority on the history of virgin births. You heard me right, virgin births. We are going deep. She is the author of the bold new award-winning book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, Mary and the Lineage of Virgin births. Link in bio to pick this up. Marguerite taught many graduate and undergraduate courses in the U.S. and the U.K. and in 2012 founded her own mystery school called Seven Sisters Mystery School, through which she has been teaching about the sacred feminine and mentoring clients on their evolutionary spiritual path. She is also the author of two other books you can check out called Virgin Mother Goddess of Antiquity and the Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece. I'll also link those in the show notes to the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Dr. Marguerite Rigoyoso. Okay, everyone. So thank you all so much for tuning back into another episode of the She's a God podcast. I'm super excited and pumped up today to introduce my divine guest, Dr. Marguerite Rigoyoso. And I'm super excited to be able to dive into all of the topics. Um, As you guys have already heard in the intro to this interview, I dove deep into her beautiful history of her research and everything she's accomplished on her spiritual path in diving deep into these topics that we're about to get into right now. However, before going super into all of the things, um, I really want want to lay a little bit of groundwork for people who maybe aren't super aware of some of these deeper topics. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Jen. It's an honor to be here. So good. And I would like to just start by asking, what is your background and your upbringing for people who maybe aren't too familiar with you? Where would you like me to start? Give me a little point on my timeline. Uh <laughs> Like, are you from the United States? Yes, yes. You know, I'm third gen- third and fourth generation Italian-American, born on the East Coast of the U.S., grew up, you know, as a Catholic, and 
a smart girl who did really well in school and had a bunch of things happen to me that were basically initiations into the underworld, the other world, that eventually led me to investigate the sacred in much deeper ways. And I took that on spiritual levels. I took it on academic levels and eventually, you know, got educated through official grad school as well as these other kinds of spiritual initiations and pursuits and put it all together in 2012 to create my own school, Seven Sisters Mystery School, which teaches people about how to advance themselves spiritually, how to connect with uh, the sacred feminine, how to open their own consciousness and their clairvoyant intuitive oracle abilities and much more. So for women who aren't uh, super familiar with, let's say, the divine feminine aspect of the God. Could you explain a little bit of detail about that and why that's so important? Yeah, you know, I mean, since we are in a duality system, there's always two parts to anything. And masculine feminine is a very big part of our dualistic world. And they are two parts of a whole, really. Ultimately, they're all together. But what's happened under patriarchy is the masculine energy of it has been amplified and sort of exalted to the detriment of the feminine, which has been disappeared or denigrated and, and so forth. And that's on every level, from the level of divinity and our stories about divinity and spiritual religions and practices to our interpersonal, our political, our cultural systems and so forth. So there's been a big movement over, say, the last 50 years to awaken to the fact that there is a, a feminine side of the uh, of the map of the divine, which in some cultures was never lost, witness India and so forth, and is in the foundation of all of our traditions, if you go back far enough. And we're realizing that we really need to raise this up again and come into balance with it in order to come into balance for our world and to um, rectify some of the wrongs and some of the upsets that have been going on on our planet really for thousands of years. So you have written so many books um, since 2009, and the most recent one being the mystery tradition of miraculous conception, Mary and the lineage of virgin births. My mind is blown with this subject and the fact that you have so thoroughly and intensely researched this subject in a very intellectual way, but have been able to bring that into the consciousness of women like me who are on the spiritual path who have always, always known this. And my listenership already knows I've grown up in a very Pentecostal religion type of environment who did not honor the divine feminine. So, and I always felt this piece was missing, like you just so beautifully explained before. So for people who don't know about this book, which if you don't know about this book, you need to go and get this book. But this, and I'm going to link everything below in the show notes as we go through this interview. Could you explain what is maybe like the basic premise of this book for people who don't really understand? 
Yeah, well, today I happen to have it right on my desk. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. This is the mystery tradition of miraculous conception, Mary and the lineage of virgin births, as you mentioned. Um, it came out in 2021, and it is the consolidation of a whole bunch of research I did on virgin birth as a real thing, as it applies to Mother Mary. Because the earlier research and the earlier books that you're alluding to have to do with my discovery that virgin birth was a high-level priestess practice in the ancient Western world, particularly in Greece, is what I focus on. And that Mary is part of a much larger global tradition of virgin birth, whose purpose was for women to bring in high-level holy beings, avatars, if you will, through their bodies to help humanity advance and come out of the pit that we've sort of fallen into over thousands of years. So this book takes a lot of the research that I did of evidence as to where you find divine birth in ancient Greece and how you know that it was something real, and it applies it to Mother Mary. And the primary text that I use in that regard is the suppressed non-canonical gospel known as the Infancy Gospel of James, where we hear about Mother Mary as being born in virgin fashion of her mother, and then how Mother Mary grew up was educated as a virgin birth priestess and gave birth to Jesus in that way, a, de a, a text that was rejected by the Catholic Roman Church, but was more accepted in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, and basically is one of those, you know, apocryphal gospels that is the repository for all of this information that we really need to know about. So thank goodness that it survived in one form or another, so that um, those of us who are researchers your types can go into it and say, peer into it and say, oh my gosh, I know what that's saying because I just did all this research on virgin birth. In Greece, I know how to apply, apply all of those signs and symbols to decipher and decode what was happening for Mother Mary. So that's what this book is. Wow. For people who have never heard of virgin birth before or divine conception, I'm sure many women are like sitting at the edge of their seats right now, like, what is this exactly? And how does this happen? So I'm curious, how exactly does this process take place? Right. Well, I'll give some tidbits and then I encourage people to read the book and my other books, The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece, which is like the academic repository for all this, and then Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity, which is a, the follow-on book. But this is the very, very readable sort of summary of all that then applied to Mother Mary. But what I've discovered is that, you know, these stories of miraculous conception that we've heard about with Mother Mary and maybe with like Sarah, the mother of Isaac. Remember the biblical Isaac who was born to Sarah in her elder years by grace of God, blah, blah, blah. And Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, who was conceived John the Baptist in her elder years by the grace of God, blah, blah, blah. All of this stuff is talking about what I realized was a whole lineage of women, again, worldwide, who were schooled in training their bodies to conceive in what we consider a non-ordinary way that didn't involve male sperm, or there were various stages of it that could have involved male sperm. But, you know, the initial impulse of this was what's called parthenogenesis, conception without male sperm, without the energy of a male being in any form, be it embodied or disembodied. And again, the, the purpose of this 
was to have a kind of conception of essentially a star being that didn't have any of the karma or energetic interferences that would have been, would have occurred should a male have come into her and impregnated her, you know, like a male human. These beings, when conceived through these very specialized means, and I talk about some of the tools and techniques that were used in this and my other books, would have been a high-level consciousness being, a star being, what I call an avatar, a walking representation of what we might call a divinity. That was the purpose. These women were working in high, holy formation to bring in these star intelligences to help a humanity that had gone seriously south through a lot of planetary interferences. What this, because this is just, there's so much to ask at this point, but you talk about Mary receiving training in the book to do this. What was this training? Well, again, I'll give you some tidbits and then I want people to go and read the book, but she was trained by virgin priestesses. Her mother gave her over to the temple, whether it was a bona fide Hebrew temple or some kind of Essene temple is unclear, most likely the latter. And these virgins who already started working with her in their home led Mother Mary through a series of initiations and trainings similar to the way the Dalai Lama, when he is identified by signs and symbols, is taken into the monastery, and then he's kind of trained, all right? So she was trained through virgin birth, and I tease out little implications from the text, and I blow it all out into what I understand from the research is what those little indications meant that show how she was working with diet and how she was working with light and how she was working with you know, purifications and sound and, and all of that type of stuff. So what is, where does this come from in like the, the more of like the Western religions, how we grew up in either Catholicism or Christianity, where, why do they say that Mary was, or Mary Magdalene now shifting a little bit here, but it just popped into mind as you were speaking about this, um, this training, where does the whole thing come in with Mary Magdalene and like the prostitution? So with Mary Magdalene and the prostitution, what many people believe by teasing out her story is that she was part of a tradition of womb mysteries that have to do with conception all the way through to sexuality, you know, all the way through to working with your womb powers in different ways. And so she was a priestess of those womb mysteries along with Mother Mary. They were priestesses of the womb and of the heart and of the third eye. They were prophets, they were love priestesses, and they were sacred conception priestesses. Mother Mary's conception practice was more parthenogenesis, virgin birth. Mary Magdalene's conception practice was more sacred tantra or sacred marriage or hieros gamos, as it was called in ancient Greece. And I and others discuss how that is probably her mechanism working with Jesus, all right, that they would engage in sexual encounters, but they would be also working at high levels. So they were working at high Tantra, and Mother Mary was working at high virgin birth. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. That helps so much because I was just kind of thinking about both things at the same time. So the Yeah, well, they're on a continuum of the womb mystery priestesses, which is what the title Mary is really all about. 
Mm-hmm. So the whole sacred prostitution, sacred marriage, I mean, that goes back some time. Yeah. And the prostitution term is a later patriarchal disparagement of sacred sexuality priestesses and what they were doing at very high, exalted and elevated levels. There is evidence that that kind of activity was going on in the temples, but then it degenerated into, hey, get your little sex session with the priestess, pay us money, and call it a spiritual experience and be on your way. That's how it degenerated into later times, which you can see in the Bible, the Hebrew Bible and Kings and other places that I I talk about in in this book, where they were having problems with this sacred, this sexuality in the temples. And it was being... um, routed out and it was being called prostitution. It was a whole complex of things that were going on as patriarchy degenerated the women's practices. You know, I mean, red has so many implications as a vibration. It's the color of the heart. It's the color of blood. It's the color of birthing blood. It's it's the color of passion, right? It's the, a color associated with sacred sexuality. It's a color, you know, an original color through which ancient cave drawings were made through red ochre. So it's, you know, and, and I just learned that it is a healing frequency and vibration. Red light, um, which you now see in LEDs and lasers and things like that, in and of itself has healing properties. So, um, but where we know it in association with Mary Magdalene was was mainly it's the color of passion, passion connected with the heart, with love. That's why I think she was connected with that color, whereas Mother Mary's connected with the blue, which is more of the Blu-ray star system kind of energy. Where else have we possibly seen or heard of this divine conception or even sacred marriage and stuff outside of uh, Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary in history? Right. Well, as I mentioned, uh, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, you see a divine birth story there. In the Hebrew tradition, Sarah, the mother of Isaac. And there's also strange and interesting stories about Leah and Rachel. If you look into that, those start looking like virgin birth stories. There are so many examples of this in ancient Greece, including historical women, the mothers of Plato, Pythagoras, and Alexander the so-called Great, were said to have done a kind of virgin birth that was a different layer of it, where they were engaging with astral male beings. So, okay, the whole Egyptian pharaonic line is said to have come in through that method, where the priestess would engage now in a much later stage, sex with the king or the pharaoh, but it was understood that the energy of the god was coming through him to engender those conceptions. But that's like a latter day development that became degenerated. Okay, it was no, it was it was high tantra, but it became co-opted. All right, there are stories all over the world of of divine birth, the divine birth of Krishna, you know, the divine birth of the peacemaker in the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois tradition, okay, that went around with Hiawatha to, to create peace among this six nation, what became the six nation Iroquois confederacy, all right? So always avatars when they're not being co-opted and becoming like the Alexander Greats of the world and the demon seed children of the Illuminati. When did all of this start to go to ship? I think in the Atlantean, in the Atlantean insertion, okay, which 
the the latter day part of was ancient Egypt, where the pharaohs are now claiming and controlling the priestesses, calling them wives, engendering the conceptions through these women. And it's, you know, this is related to what we're calling forced breeding programs that go beyond even the elites and are on and off planet that people like oracles like Lisa Renee and Indigo Angel are talking about now, forced breeding programs, uh, which you can see pedestrian versions of this, you know, various things that have happened in Ireland, in Africa, where, you know, women get used for breeding, you know, different, different types of lineages and so forth and so on. So, um, but I think the, the Atlantean kind of degeneration and fall is where all of this went down. And so where do you want to pin that? 10,000 BCE earlier, 22,000 BCE to these, you know, there are histories that have been suppressed that a lot of the whistleblowers and the oracles are starting to reveal now that people would do well to start paying attention to and investigating because this is not the stuff you learn in the academic system. These are other histories that we need to start uncovering and learning about so that we can figure out the answer to questions like this. Why do you think that they've tried to keep this from us all this time? Because they want a slave race, the beings that are controlling our energy, our reproduction. They want a slave race. They want a race that is able to be abducted and hybrided. There's the on-planet and off-planet hybriding programs that have been going on. So they don't want us to know. They don't want us to be in control. They certainly don't want women to say no. Mm-hmm. So they just keep women in the dark about what is even what their wombs are even capable of. They make the idea of Mary's conception look like a one-time deal and a fiction to boot that nobody in their sane rational mind would actually believe except for crazy, you know, Christian people, etc. when it's it's actually, you know, documented all around the world. And they just they just want to keep our wombs controlled. These extraterrestrial beings who are running the whole thing, which is another whole history that people are going to have to awaken to, and that is going to be aided by these little disclosures that are going on to make it look like it's, you know, gray men in spaceships, but it's way beyond that, people, okay? Way beyond that. Way beyond. And I'm so glad you mentioned that just now, because it's like all over, it's like what everyone's talking about and kind of what everyone's awareness is sort of shifting to, ironically enough. And, you know... Watch, beware of the controlled narratives and shenanigans that are going to go along with that information. It's going to become an infomercial instead of information to largely engender fear, largely, once again, put control in the power elites who are like, well, you're going to need our protection now. No, we don't. We just need to get into contact with our star nations, our star families, We need to get in contact with our wombs. We need to start saying no to all of these agreements and treaties and abduction uh, things that have been going on. And, you know, it's like, if you want our DNA, we need to be at the table discussing it. Yes. And it that just brings up so much more too, um, which I, I want to talk more about. But before I, I forget this question, I want to kind of shift back a little bit to Mother Mary, because I really wanted to ask more about her in terms of like the birth of Jesus. And then also like, who was Joseph then in the Bible? And why is this so why is this narrative so entirely spun at this point? 
It's spun. It was hijacked and it was spun. And Mother Mary's image was completely taken over and put over here in a little box. And my next book coming out, which is going to be completely on the ministry of Mother Mary, who she really was, is also going to blow the lid off things. Okay. This book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, is stage one in learning about Mother Mary, Mary as a virgin birth priestess. That book is learning about Mother Mary as a spiritual mentor and a healer and a guide for what is already within us. How her story has been co-opted, though, is that, oh, she happened to be walking along one day and uh, God said, you know, I'm going to impregnate you. And she's like, let it be done according to thy will. Blah, blah, blah. Ridiculous. No, she was part of a lineage of these women who knew exactly what they were doing. Okay working in seventh, eighth, ninth dimensions. Then what it gets spun into is, okay, it's a one little shot deal to bring in Jesus because they can't, they decided, hey, let's get this idea of this avatar coming in, but let's control the planet with it, okay? It's so powerful. They go to things that have power and then they're like, let's spin it, invert it and control it and control the masses with it. So let's reverse this story and make it look like this, that, and the other thing so that we can get all these people addicted to the power structure that grew up and was established around this whole story that shall remain unnamed, but people can guess what it is. And so the Joseph thing came in to kind of give Jesus a father, all right? And he had nothing to do with it. The guy, according to my research and what I show in there and I document in parallel stories everywhere, was a guardian for Mother Mary. These men were guardians, Joseph with Mother Mary, Joachim with Mother Mary's mother, Anne, Zechariah with Mother Mary's aunt Elizabeth, okay? And Abraham with Sarah. It's always ambiguous. These are not husbands per se. They are guardian protectors of the sacred womb. So that's what Joseph's, Joseph's role was. And I go into an extensive discussion of that in this book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, which is very instructive for people to read because it really puts the power firmly again back with the women, which is where it belongs, you know? Mother Mary was a, the highest level avatar that ever walked the planet, according to the Hindu saint, Sri Kaleshwar, and I believe him. He was teaching about the Holy Womb Chakra teachings that he derived from the ancient palm leaf manuscripts of India and has taught that to people before he left the planet in 2012. And I am certified in those teachings. He says this was Mother Mary's part of her work part of Mary Magdalene's work, part of Jesus' work. They were working with these mantras. They were working with these yantras. There was this cross-cultural exchange into India and beyond, you know, which is also documented in other places about Jesus' activation in India and so forth. So that's a little bit about, you know, how the men do and don't enter into this story. So what do you think then, as far as Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene go, how do you feel their relationship was? Is there any history or... Yeah. So I talk about that a lot in my next book, which I have titled The Secret Life of Mother Mary. I'm waiting to see if Inner Traditions um, still retains that or if they come up with something better. But I'm going to talk, I talk a lot about that in that book, which is coming out in 2024. Mother Mary was the head of the early Essene church, period. The whole Christed enterprise was her doing. Mary Magdalene then came into it. She was also a priestess in her own right, but she had a lot to learn from Mother Mary, who was her mentor, and Jesus. 
who was also her mentor. Not that they didn't have anything to learn from Mary Magdalene, but this is now putting Mother Mary as the big cloak of the whole thing, right? They were collaborators. They walked with Jesus. I talk about all of that and how Mother Mary helped Magdalene go out and develop her ministry. And eventually how Mary Magdalene was very much involved with her own ascension, which is what many of us are involved in today, or what I call incension, because it's an inside job. We're going ever inward. So that's just a little taster of what that relationship was like. And I, I encourage people to check out my book in 2024 about that and read more into it because it's thrilling because it also has to do with sisterhood of women, women of power, cooperatively working together, using the higher level principles to overcome the duality arguments and competitions that can come in and besiege spiritual collaborators and communities at every turn. That just gave me like a full body shiver because it's really so true. And that's why I'm so glad that so many women are coming together in sacred sisterhood. I just think it's so imperative during this time on the planet. And I love that you just referenced that. Do you feel that that was part of Mary Magdalene's like imprint on the earth, this sort of sacred sisterhood consciousness? Yes, it was Mother Mary's imprint. It was her imprint. It was Mother Mary's sister's imprint. There's a sister that Mother Mary had who was also named Mary. Okay, uh-huh. Read the mystery tradition of miraculous conception. It's already in there. And I'm going to work on that more deeply in The Secret Life of Mother Mary. Wow. Wow. Yes. This is all about how we have to work in cooperation. And there was a lot Jesus said in these so-called Gnostic Gospels about the functioning of the archons and how they interfere with the harmonious functioning of humans at every turn. So they were already, this is why they came to the earth. They knew all about this and all the problems that we're having today that are coming out in the disclosure movement. Back then, in the height of the Roman Empire, which was a sack of these demonic entities, all right? So they were working with the high-level principles to stay grounded, to stay in their heart, to stay in love, to reverse and withstand all of these attacks that will come in as you try to work with people cooperatively and this and that. Look, you know, we can barely get along for five minutes, let alone trying to be turning a planet around. We've got to do our own personal healing so we're not hookable through these energies and entities. And we've got to come into love, um, generosity, cooperation, all of those types of things and learn how and where we get triggered so that we can get untriggered. And it usually has to do with personal healing of trauma and pain, deep pain these beings are getting us through our pain. That's how they bust up any group that starts in with good principles. And we've got to change that around and women may have to lead that, okay? But you know, it's a challenge. We know. We know what our sisterhood wounds are. But Mother Mary and Magdalene can be called on as guides to move through those sisterhood wounds so that we can be productive co-creators of this new earth. I love this so much because I, I've just seen so much potency in sacred sisterhood during my own personal priestess path in journeying through the initiations with the goddesses and all of the things. And I've seen just the magic that lies within sisterhood, but then I've also seen it go really bad where 
you see someone who's totally set off, like they did not work through their sister wound at all. And they have a, like a witch wound or something and they just are really, and it kind of blows everything up. And so I'm just so glad you mentioned that. How can modern day women tap into this womb energy, this divine energy that Mother Mary, through her lineage and also through the sacred lineage of Mary Magdalene, how can modern day women work with this? Well, first of all, you can start opening your conduit in your meditation and prayer time to these two beings, asking them to come to you, work with you, heal you personally, and mentor you spiritually. Simple and do it a lot. I do it every day. Secondly, there are resources. For example, at my Seven Sisters Mystery School, I've got courses in this regard, connecting with Mother, you know, the, the Seven Mysteries of Magdalene course, the Mother Mary Mystery Teachings, and the Holy Womb Chakra Teachings, where I transmit those mantras and yantras that were part of their practices to help you clear heartache, clear uh, whatever you need to from your womb and activate its power. And I also have a monthly Mary and Magdalene Empowerment Circle where we do meditations every month on a different theme. We have a different journey working with Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene or both to precisely get at this and activate it. And we've, we've done some very pertinent topics of real, really relevant to our lives, you know, getting down to brass tacks about money, about the sisterhood wound, about everything. So that's, you know, what, what I personally can offer people. And there will be more of this being developed as we come into this new evolutionary awareness and, and understanding, appreciation, embrace, and invitation with Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. Just more as a general question, what do you hope for the collective, especially after like everything that's happened in 2020 and everything moving forward? Like what are your hopes and what, what do you see? Yeah, my hopes are that we all connect with the Christ Sophia light within that is our birthright and who are we are at core, that we, identi we identify and activate that and live from that more and more and more every day through getting into the requisite peaceful states and doing our clearings and doing our healings personally, individually, so that we can then reach across to one another more productively, more harmoniously, and really create that healthy net among us that will grow and grow and grow so that our experience and existence on the planet will evolve into higher consciousness and, and what we call new earth reality. That's my hope. And I can tell you, you are really laying the groundwork for a lot of that to happen and just the sheer knowledge that you have and like what this is. And I can tell you, even from this conversation, like so it's going to open people's minds to like, wait a minute, like what actually is this energy? Divine conception, sacred marriage, like I didn't know and let me learn more about this. And I love all that you've put together and the thorough research, like I mentioned, that you've put into everything that you do. So one thing I wanted to ask is, was there anything else you wanted to share um, in terms of the book or any of the information? You know, um, you know, thank you for your generosity and your, your interest. I, it's so exciting when I'm with people who are hungry for it and get it. And then we just go on this journey together because more and more information comes up even in the conversation. It creates a resonant feel for others to tune into and have their own knowing stimulated. That's really what it's all about. And and 
thank you for the opportunity just to share what some of my resources are. The book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, the one coming out next year, The Secret Life of Mother Mary Through Inner Traditions, Bear and Company, um, the resources that I mentioned at Seven Sisters Mystery School, whose links we'll have uh, for you. And I just invite people to come into these, take these on-demand courses, book with me one-on-one -on -one if you want to go deeper, see what I'm doing next. I'm always, I've always got the next thing designed to help you activate your own knowing and your own, you know, elevation of your light body so that you can do this work in the world, live better and be part of the healing. Yes. And I know that you, there's also a free gift. I just want to mention that to people, um, activate your divine Sophia Oracle wisdom. And so I am going to link that in the show notes as well. So everybody will have that. And I am going to link everything in the show notes, but how can people uh, work with you? How can they find you? What are like your links in your IG? Perfect. So, um, you know, it's Marguerite Regalioso on Instagram, I guess, you know, quite honestly, <laughs> Um, you'll put that in the show notes. Okay. But I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And then on Facebook, I have a personal page, but I also have a seven sisters mystery school page. And then the best way is really just to go straight to our website, seven sisters, mystery school.com. The seven is written out S E V E N. You'll see what we have going on and just get on our, um, sacred Sunday e-news list because you'll be led every Sunday that goes out. It gives content, support resources, inspirational blogs, and the latest of, of what the offerings are that you might be interested in. Many There are many free things on my website, and you can also go to my YouTube channel, Marguerite Regalioso. There's, there's lots there, many interviews that will spark you as well. Yeah, thank you so, so very much. And you are right on with your IG as well. Um, it is a tough spell, so please be sure to click the links in the show notes in order to find everything and make sure to go to the website and sign up for the e-newsletter. That way you can go ahead and get the information coming in every single week. That's what I do. Um, and that's how I stay up to date with everything she has going on. So that for me, that's like the easiest way. So I'll make sure to link everything below. And I just, with an open heart, just thank you so much for like all of the work that you're doing. You've opened my mind and totally helped me to evolve literally just by the information that you give. Uh, so I so value you and thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jen, and for your enthusiasm and really for your support because this is an example of sisterhood at work. So I truly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the She's a God podcast. Tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at this is Jen Torres for all of the latest. And remember, she is a God, and so are you.